Here's Mark Joe. You need to run because your character and your morality and your dream is more important than the temptation that's trying to hijack you. Running, hijacking, sounds like an action movie, and it is. It's your life. Welcome to Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church. I'm John Geiger, and this message series on the life of Joseph, boy, it started off with a bang last week. Thank you, by the way, for your emails. For anybody who might have missed out on our opening message, we're going to back up just a bit and invite you into the book of Genesis, chapter 39, so you don't miss a thing. Pastor Mark Job calls them hijackers, dangerous forces demanding control of our lives. And one of those hijackers is temptation. The good news is God always provides a way out, as Joseph's life illustrates so very well. Here's Mark Job on Moody Presents. Some of us, you start out very well, and you know where you stand, but day after day, temptation comes your way, and maybe temptation sounds a little bit like this, for example, hey, my husband doesn't meet my needs like he could. What about, by doing this, you'll really prove that you care for me. Or, who will find out anyways? We're completely alone. It's absolutely safe. No one will ever know. Or, hey, look, we're already going to be married soon anyway, so why wait? I mean, really, what does a piece of paper matter anyways? Or how about I'm so terribly lonely? I think God will understand. In fact, in fact, I think that God brought you to me at this time because he understands I'm lonely. I mean, how many of you know we can spiritualize temptation? Or, just once, never, never, I'll never, 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 never ask you again, just one time. Or, hey, what's grace about anyways? I mean, if God can't forgive me from this, this is so natural, I mean, I mean, what's grace anyways? And the Bible says that she was after him day after day after day after day, but he ignored her. The third thing that Joseph did right, and I love this. Because I believe this is one of the best ways of fighting temptation. You want a sure way out of temptation? You say, Pastor, tell me. I'm going to give you the sure way out. If you are going to be mature, spirit-led, full of wisdom, grounded in the Word, here's what you do. Run. It says, one day he went into the house. How many of you know that sometimes temptation will eat at you, eat at you, but sometimes temptation gets aggressive? And the Bible says that one day he went into the house, day after day she was after him. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. Verse 12, she caught him by the cloak, and she said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. Now, I know that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, Pastor, I just want to stand there and say, well, I'm a child of the living God. No, you just run. Don't get all spiritual. Don't start rebuking devils. Just run. Get out of there. And have you noticed, there sort of seems to be a pattern with Joseph and his clothes. Everybody keeps taking his clothes off. 
I mean, his brothers took his cloak off. I believe his brothers stripped him of his coat of many colors, symbolizing the death of a dream. They were taking his dream. But I believe this woman was taking his cloak of a servant off because it symbolized his character that she was trying to rob from him. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to hear me very, very well. God always gives you a way out of temptation. If you're at a place in a party and it's getting hot and you can't handle it, you need to run. Get out of parties anyways, but you need to run. If you're at a class and there is someone that you know that this person is after you, maybe you need to transfer classes or get another schedule. Listen, if you're at work and there is someone that is persistently after you, persistently pursuing you, listen, you need to run. You don't need to eat lunch with them. You don't need to talk with them. You may need to get a transfer to another place in your office or maybe you need to quit your job and go somewhere else. But you need to run because your character and your morality and your dream is more important than the temptation that's trying to hijack you. How many people do I know that had a dream, a God-given dream? And I know so many young men that had a call of God upon their lives that were going to accomplish things and were moving towards it, but because of falling into immoral temptation, have shipwrecked their lives and are limping around in life trying to recover from giving into temptation. Totally turning their life around. You know, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee immorality. Flee. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth. Now, nowhere else in the Bible does it talk about running from temptation except when it comes to sexual temptation or morality temptations. Never else does it talk about it except when it comes to that. Listen, this is one of the greatest temptations that will come your way. And it's one of the greatest temptations with some of the greatest consequences on your life unless you're able to run from it and guard yourself from it. Joseph had this moral compass that told him, I will not give in to this. Number three hijacker. Not only do we have the hijacker of bitterness, we have the hijacker of temptation. Thirdly, and even as devastating as the hijacker of temptation, we have the hijacker of discouragement. Listen to what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that, verse 13, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, and had run out of the house, she called her household servants and she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. Now she's relating to the rest of the servants. Now it's us against him. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard the scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. How many of you know that oftentimes temptation, when someone is consumed with lust, hear, hear me well, when someone is consumed with lust and they don't get their way, their lust turns to scorn. Young ladies hear me really well. He's sweet and nice and whispering and flowers and honey and emails and I love you and no one's like you. 
trying to seduce you, trying to get you, trying to get you, hey, one thing, you really love me, I love you, I'm committed to you the rest of my life, nice words over and over, leading you, trying to get you to bed, and finally you draw the line and you say, listen, I, I, that's not where I'm going, I'm going to keep myself to marriage because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if he turns around and suddenly there's scorn and suddenly there's anger in his life, I'm going to tell you, this is a lust-based relationship, not a love-based relationship. You say, well, I don't understand how we got so angry all of a sudden. I thought, you know, this was, hey, lust can turn real fast into scorn. And this woman went from seducing him every day with nice little words to suddenly she was accusing him and had not even one ounce of conscience in allowing him to go to prison for a crime that he did not commit. Think about it. She was ready to send him to a lifelong journey in prison because she did not get her way. And the Bible says she started screaming and said, look, 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 he was after me. I fought him off. I ended up with his cloak. And when her husband came home, verse 16, she kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. I mean, she was simmering over this. She was thinking about this. This is what I'm going to tell him. I got his cloak. I got my evidence. She was thinking about it the whole time. She was considering it the whole time. And as soon as her husband walked in the door, she said, that Hebrew slave that you brought us came to make sport of me. I mean, he was toying with me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. Verse 19. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. You know, I halfway think that her husband knew she wasn't telling the truth. You know why? I mean, he was a slave. In normal circumstances, he would have executed Joseph. But instead, he put him in prison. I think he was angry maybe because he either thought Joseph did it, or maybe he was just angry because he knew his wife had something for Joseph. And he had to get him out of the house. But nonetheless, it says that his anger burned. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now imagine this. Joseph goes from being betrayed by his brothers, goes to being a slave. But the hand of God is with him. And he says, okay, since the hand of God is with me, he works his way up the ladder. He keeps his good attitude. He's in the middle of temptation. He resists for God's sake. He says, no, I'm going to honor God. No, I'm going to do what's right. And when he's done what's right, he ends up in prison. You ever felt that way? Hmm. Well, I bet you have. We're hitting the pause button right there as I direct your attention for just a moment to a wonderful resource that supports our teaching time. It's A.W. Tozer's classic, The Pursuit of God. In it, he writes, The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. What a comfort for folks like us who face hijackers every day. You can easily find this book, and I have so enjoyed it myself, by heading to our website, moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. 
and just click the Publishers tab way at the top of our page. Again, that's moodypresents.org, and look for that Publishers tab at the top of the page. So, you're wondering what happened to Joseph next, right? Well, here's Mark Job. Have you ever felt like I did what was right and look what happened? It says the hand of God was with him. I think after a while he should have said, God, if this is your hand, please take it from me. Man, your hand was on me. I became a slave. Your hand was on me some more. I ended up in prison. I'm not sure I want your hand. Have you ever felt like you did what was right? You fought and fought for what was right. And in the end, it seems like even though you did what was right, it came back to bite you. You asked someone for forgiveness and you said, I was really wrong, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, I was selfish. And they say, okay, you're forgiven. And they go on blab to all your relatives. Hey, you know, they admitted they're selfish and they did what was wrong. And you know, so you feel like, hey, that came against me. Have you ever gone to tell the truth and you tell the truth and then you find out that because you tell the truth, it comes against you? Or you make a decision at, at work because you think it's right and you don't want to lie. And so because you don't lie, your boss promotes someone else and demotes you. And you throw up your hands and you say, wait a second, God, I thought I was, you were supposed to bless me when I obey. I mean, I thought if I did it your way, that it wasn't supposed to turn out like this. I mean, I stood for what was right. I fought temptation. I told the truth. And look at me now. You see, that's when discouragement sets in. And that's the last hijacker I want to talk to you about because sometimes the hijacker of discouragement gets on your plane. The hijacker of self-pity and discouragement. It gets on your plane. And you start losing faith, and you start losing hope, and you start losing energy because you feel like things just don't go well for me. Can I encourage you this morning? Joseph didn't know, but the final chapter was not yet written. Can I tell you this? Life may seem unfair, but God is in control. And of course, it's easy to look back from retrospect and say, aha, the hand of God was there. But in the middle of prison, all we know is I did what's right and ended up in prison. Little did he know that that prison would actually lead him to the courts of the Pharaoh. And if he didn't go to prison, he would never be ruler over Egypt. He didn't know that at that time. But God had a purpose and God had a plan in the middle of his suffering, pain, and injustice. God was still there. Some of you are in the midst of things that are dark, that are discouraging. And I want to tell you in the midst of your darkness, God is there. I want to tell you in the midst of your pain that God has not forgotten. You have not slipped through the cracks with God. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten you. God has a plan and a purpose because every person who God has called to a destiny, He will fulfill the destinies in that person's life if we continue to keep going back to God. I want you to notice what happens here. Because it tells us in verse 20, Joseph's master took him, put him into prison. 
into verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Can I tell you this? When God is at the center of your life, you will always end up floating up above the circumstances no matter how much garbage is piled on you. Have you ever been playing around in a swimming pool and tried to get one of these balls and put it underwater, full of air? You get on it, you sit on it, you try to hold it down. What, ha- what always happens with that ball full of air? It just pops up. I mean, you can, ju- you can get it down for a little bit, but it's going to pop up. I think the life that is full of the presence of God is just like that. People may think, aha, he's done. Just wait a little bit. The bubbles are there, and boom, there it pops up again. Joseph, it looked like his life was over, but you know, he went into the bottom of the prison. But because the presence of God was with him, he kept floating up. Why? The faith inside of him, the power of God kept floating. Some of you have been dunked, you've been piled on, you have been hurt, you have been treated unfair, but something happens, you keep popping up. I mean, you keep floating to the top no matter what happens. Garbage is being piled on you. But because the presence of God is in your life, there is nothing or no one that can ultimately keep you down if God is in your life and keeping you up. I don't care what people try to do. They cannot keep you down by the power of God. I love what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis calls pain God's megaphone. And in his little booklet called The Problem with Pain, Lewis says, God whispers to us in pleasure. He speaks to our conscience, but shouts in our pain. How many of you know that sometimes it's the middle of discouragement and difficulty that we hear the voice of God loudest. You see, some of you are here because in the middle of your pain, you finally heard the voice of God. Some of you are here because in the middle of your addiction, when you hit the bottom of the barrel, you had not heard the voice of God, but suddenly you heard God speaking. Some of you are here because you heard a doctor's report. You have very little time for God and the music was blaring, but you know what? In the middle of that bad news, and as you looked at your life and thought nothing can be done, suddenly you heard God's voice. Some of you are here because a teenage son or daughter was going so bad, so astray. You hadn't listened to God in a long time. Maybe you had heard him whisper. Maybe you heard his little voice. But you know what? You didn't hear him very loudly. But in the middle of your pain, suddenly you've heard the voice of God. Sometimes it's pain and difficulty 
and discouragement in our life that magnifies the voice of God. And finally, we hear when we haven't heard. You see, here's what I know. That Joseph's character was being forged in slavery and in prison. You see, later on we know that he spent 13 years both as a slave and in prison. 13 years through slavery 101. Through prison 201. 13 years of heartache. What was God doing? Have you ever wondered that and asked yourself, God, what are you doing in my life? And I want you to know that God has a plan and God has a purpose. And God may be molding you right now in your difficult time. God is changing you, cultivating you, creating patience in you, dealing with your character, taking out your selfishness, teaching you to trust Him like you've never trusted Him before. But God has a purpose and a plan in the middle of your discouragement. Do not let discouragement rob you of your faith. Do not let discouragement turn to self-pity and a victim mentality. I see No hint of a victim mentality in Joseph's life. I don't see Joseph curling up in a fetal position in the corner of a prison saying, leave me alone. You don't know what I've been through. I don't see Joseph ignoring the people around him. I don't see him wallowing in his self-pity. I see Joseph brushing himself off. And saying, you got a plan and you got a purpose for my life. You're still on the throne, God. I haven't given up. Oh, I may be down, but I'm not staying down. I may be knocked down a little bit, but you have a purpose and a plan. And I may not see the future and it may look dark and I don't know how I'm going to get out of prison. But you know what? I have a dream. And your dream is for me to prosper. It's for good things in my life. And I may not see how it's going to be fulfilled, but I know that God is in control. And I know that He holds the future. And I refuse to let my destiny be hijacked by discouragement, self-pity, or a victim mentality. I believe there's some people here this morning. You have hijackers on your plane. In fact, I think there's some people here this morning. You have the hijacker of bitterness on your plane. Oh, he looks like a passenger, but he's getting bigger and stronger. He's taken over. Some of you have the hijacker of temptation. And you know right now, as I spoke about temptation and work and school, you you know immediately A situation came to mind. God was speaking to your heart. Some of you have the hijacker of discouragement. You're in the middle of it right now. You've lost your joy. You've lost your energy. You don't see the future. Because it's leading you down. And God is speaking to some of you this morning about it's time to kick the hijackers off the destiny of your plane. I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I'm going to get real specific about this altar call. I'm going to call you if you know that you have hijackers of bitterness. I'm going to ask you to come right here. You say, well, pastor, everybody's going to know Then, Hey, you got issues. I got issues. They got issues. 
There are some of you this today that you are battling temptation. In fact, you have fought this week a few different times. You've toyed with the thought of that affair. You've toyed with the thought of that immorality. It's, it's toyed around in your head. And you know that you're weaker than what you think you are. And God says, get out. Some of you are in the have the hijacker of discouragement. And you are down and out, wallowing in self-pity, drawing in the mud, bemoaning how life is so unfair and other people get ahead and you don't, rehearsing how things could have turned out differently. No time to look ahead, look at God, look at others, because you're too busy saying, oh, woe is me. God is saying, you know what, I have a destiny and plan for your life. Today, deal with those things that are trying to hijack your God-given dream. Deal with those things that are trying to hijack your God-given dream. Now, what does that look like for you? Discouragement? Temptation? Now, how will you deal with these hijackers? Maybe you need to talk with your pastor or a trusted mentor. Or maybe it's time to just get down on your knees and confess before God. Don't let this moment rush past. For further review of this message and to listen to the important first message of our Life of Joseph series, please visit moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Lots of helpful information about our program and about the Moody Bible Institute there at moodypresents.org. Hey, are you facing a a season of disappointment in your life? Well, Mark Job invites you to dream again. That's next time on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.